And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is the Week 7 Recap. I am Chris Welsh. You can find me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh. Joined by the magnificent Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston all together again because I have internet. Jake, we missed you last week. We actually attempted to do no, a you show. Didn't. You were here. We, I did. I 100% missed you, uh, especially with the McCaffrey trade stuff. We attempted to do a show. As I told people, I had a hot spot going on, and you and me were sitting there, and you're like, all right, I'm ready to go. You sound weird. You, sound, you said I sounded like a robot or whatever, but we were going to make it work. A hollow. And everything fell apart. A hollow. That's what it was. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the like hollow soul. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe mine after this weekend as well. Uh, Mr. Brandon Funston, how are we, my friend? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad we didn't do that show because people would have just turned it off after like two minutes. You know, like I, I ain't gonna sit through that. So uh, it's good to have some qual, good to have some quality back, both audio wise and uh, guest wise. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, I would have made sure we had the good audio. At least you guys would have been hearing me bad. Uh, I don't know. I could deal with some bad audio this week. We are coming off of a weekend. Whereas I lamented, the 49ers made their big, big move, and it amounted to a little bit to nothing, which we will talk about. Lots of action across the board. Uh, again, players we wanted to perform, underperforming, or, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown playing, I think, 10 snaps and then getting hurt. So that's fun. But the biggest, most not fun element of this entire thing is Brees Hall. Brees Hall, who I have been losing my mind about because he is one of the most dynamic. And Bogman was getting mad at me yesterday, Jake, about my use of just those placating words of like dynamic and whatever. But I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it looks amazing. Looks like, you know, on the trajectory of being a top five overall pick, we would have talked about for next year for sure. And looks like we lose Brees for at least six weeks if the injury is an ACL sprain or something different. The worst case scenario, we might be looking at a full ACL tear. The uh, He broke off a 62-yarder for a touchdown, which was awesome. But uh, the injury after the game, they said, looked serious and, quote, not good. Very, very technical <laughs> doctor terms here. Jake, uh, talk to me about Brees and where you're at. Uh, on the fact that I'm hoping it's not not good. Like, I hope it's not the season the ending. Scenario is best case scenario. Best case scenario is a sprain, and he's out for the what four to five weeks. Kind of uh, where's there a buy? What's the Jazz? Just thinking about that in my head because okay. Evan Neal sprained his MCL for the Giants, and they're saying through his buy. At least uh, Dan Duggan said that, but their buy is two weeks away. So uh, yeah, week ten. Yeah, Jets. So two, three, that puts him come back for four at New England. Maybe it's four weeks and then back the one additional week against Chicago at home. I mean, kind of like that kind of situation. I think that's the best case scenario. The best case scenario is we're thinking a week immediately after the buy or a week or two after the buy. That's kind of what we're hoping when it comes to ACL. In a world where he didn't get hurt, this is pretend land here, <laughs> and he continued on with what he did. What do you think you would have been talking about Brees Hall as? Because we we've 
jolted him up into the back half, I think, of that RB1 category. I think the last couple of weeks he's kind of been sitting there. Do you think just after another, you know, with the trajectory of where it was going, another big performance, do you think we would have been talking about Brees as like a top five this year overall back? Five? I already had him 10 inside the top 10. I don't know if a five because I would rattle off Eckler's CMC now that he's with the 49ers, so we should talk about yeah. him. But Chris McCaffrey was already there. It's just now Christian McCaffrey goes from being top five to in the conversation for the number one. That's really what it comes down to. So Eckler, McCaffrey, Barkley, uh, Henry Carter, Chubb, Taylor, mm-hmm. Henry Taylor, I mean. I mean, Henry Taylor. I, no, that's what I was about to say. So I would say you could even say Josh Jacobs now that Josh McDaniel was the one to unlock him as a bell cow, which I tweeted that yesterday. Who would have thought that Josh McDaniels was the one that was going to make him a bell cow? The biggest concern was that McDaniels was going to keep McDanieling, and then Josh Jacobs was going to keep getting screwed over. So I think that he'd be in that next tier. Like if you wanted to break down Henry, Jacobs, Taylor, Hall, and it's probably about Joe Mixon. Those are probably those five. And, I, you know, that's why we do tiers and we talk about it in the offseason because if you want to put Hall first – and Mixon last, or you want to put Mixon first and hold like he's just in that tier. He's in that conversation. And I don't think he would have jumped up into the number one, but he was already in that second tier. We were definitely moving into that space. So now, and we'll both talk about this, but we'll start with you, Brandon. The worst case scenario here is this is going to be a really bad ACL injury, possible tear, which would take you out for the season could have effects into next year, which is brutal, brutal, brutal to have for any guy and obviously any guy we put our hopes in for fantasy but also just like a rookie running back i can't think of a worse thing to get in your rookie year especially uh seeing the news this weekend of like todd Gurley retiring you saw todd Gurley retires after you know whatever it was six years and you're just and it really is a reminder of how fickle uh the nfl is with running backs and everything like that and seeing an acl injury the first season is just a brutal thing but if this happens this is now going to jolt michael carter into the RB1 role. It's similar to something we're going to talk about, I suppose, with the Ravens, but this maybe maybe has a higher upside. So, Brandon, what do you think about Michael Carter and what type of running back is he moving forward if it's just him? Um, well, we saw, you know, we saw a good chunk of him last year. I think he finished uh, RB29 and half PPR in 14 games, you know, and I was looking at my rest of season rankings because I have to keep those up to date because we do stuff with them for, for our trade charts. Uh, and stuff on the athletic, but I kind of like, he's kind of in the Clyde Edwards Alaire picture with me. I think they're kind of similar. Like you can't count on him a ton on the ground, but you, he can, he can do stuff, you know, through the air. Like he's going to be a, going to be a mixed bag. A lot of weeks where you're going to get, you know, 10, maybe 10 touches in one week and then, you know, 15, 16, the other way. I, I like him. I, I think where he sits right now, I have him about RB 22 for the rest of the season. Uh, I think he's a solid back-end RB2. We'll see some other people. I don't think he's going to get Bell Cow work. I don't think they see him that way. That's why they brought in Brees Hall. And by the way, why can't we have nice things? Why can't we have Javante Williams and Brees Hall and Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins and all these new running backs that come into the league and then they're, you know, they're out for a year, like within their first year or two of being in the NFL. It sucks. Sucks. We need more good running backs. Brees Hall is awesome. I'm enjoying one in Seattle with Ken Walker, but it was great to see, you know, two legit studs kind of pushing top 10 value. And it sucks that Brees Hall might be going away. There's totally some dynasty owners out there that had Javante and they're like, well, at least I got Brees. And they just <laughs> lost that. And they're just like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out of it. But uh, same thing, Jake, though, with Michael Carter. Do you agree? Do you think it could be a little bit more, a little bit less? Is this not as exciting? We're always kind of, you know, 
sitting on this territory of like, oh man, the next guy up, this is the opportunity <clears throat> opportunity for the zero RB guys to uh, find success. But what do you think about Carter? Uh, I'm more optimistic than Funston is. I, I actually, before the NFL draft, when I did my way too early 2022 rankings, I had Michael Carter as a low end RB1 before they drafted Brisol because I keep comparing him to Austin Eckler. Is No, I don't think they're going to treat him like a bell cow, but I don't think he needs to be treated like a bell cow. And I don't think you want to treat him like a bell cow. But in this offense, that's pretty good for the run game. What is Ty Johnson really going to do? And Ty Johnson probably is the most frustrating part is they probably use him in some short yardage situations. But, you know, it's the Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler still right now, as of today, is number one in front of Chubb and Barkley in fantasy. And that's with some pretty poor games. Remember people losing their damn mind in week three over Austin Eckler and that Austin Eckler was going to be a bust this year and how terrible Austin Eckler was? And people are losing their mind over him. And what is he right now? The RB1. And I say that to say I don't disagree with Funston the fact that there's going to be some down games. But I think that Michael Carter is still an RB1 because of the upside. And what you'll get is, I think, kind of a Amari Cooper. There'll be weeks where, and Austin Eckler already did it. There'll be weeks where it's like, oh, my God, Michael Carter scored five points. What the living hell? What were the Jets thinking this week? They gave 12 carries to Ty Johnson. But they signed back LaMichael Pirine. Like, like that's what we're going to do. But on the flip side, there's going to be plenty of weeks where he wins it for you and plenty of weeks of consistency. So I'm, like, looking down the list right now. I'd take him over the split backfield of the Patriots. I'd take him over Miles Sanders, anybody there. I would take him over trying to figure out Zeke versus Pollard. I would take him over anybody in Washington. Uh, so the conversation for Michael Carter begins with me of Damian Pierce, Travis Etienne, which puts him on fringe RB1 territory. So are you saying you take Michael Carter over Ramondre Stevenson? Yes. Okay. Damian Harris is already back. Yeah, no, no, no. I just wanted to like, you, you, that was how you opened and then you glossed and went through all through all those. And I just want to make sure because a, a bunch <laughs> of those... I kind of agree, but Stevenson was a big name. I would take Michael Carter six. over Aaron Jones having his four good games and that nonsense mm. the rest of the time. Okay. Well, you I, listen, I love Michael Carter. I didn't want to like sound like I was a naysayer on Michael Carter. I love the talent. I think the Jets have a Zach Wilson problem. And if they don't well, have yes. Brees, <laughs> if they don't have Brees Hall there, like this is this and plus Zach Wilson was not the guy that was throwing a ton to the running backs last year. Remember, it was like Mike White and, and and Joe Flacco were the ones that were just pumping the running backs. And then Zach Wilson came back. And we're all like, oh, you know, it's not working out quite as well. So I worry a little bit about that. But I worry about just like, you know, Zach Wilson being the issue here. And the fact that, you know, people in New York are getting pretty sour on what he's been doing of late. And so this, you know, the defense is great and it looked great. Like Brees Hall kind of masked some of the offensive stuff. But if he's not there, I wonder how much defenses are going to respect the backfield as much as I like Michael Carter, I don't think you can respect the ground game quite as much. Something I was talking about on ITL yesterday, it's just so interesting. I don't recall a time in the NFL where there were more inept quarterbacks that offenses didn't trust. Like, you'd have a year where it's like, oh, they don't really trust that guy to run. But, like, how many quarterbacks are there that it's like getting them 15 pass attempts is a stretch? Zach Wilson, Fields, Mariota, and then you could probably – slip a few more in there. There's just an NFL quarterback problem right now. If you're going to have NFL caliber quarterbacks, you should trust them to be quarterbacks and to throw the ball. Atlanta would probably benefit from that. And, you know, Zach Wilson would probably benefit that with well, the uh, Jets. They played better with Joe Flacco. I mean, they really have to look at themselves. It looked like they played better with Joe, even though they're just coming off of two big wins. I say that. I think I mean, it's crazy. We're going to talk about our waiver stuff, but Garrett Wilson's 50% rostered and Elijah Moore's in the 40%. And if these guys were in a different place in the NFL, they could both be top 12 fantasy wideouts. There's that kind of potential there. They're that good. But they, you know, 
they're they're kind of like Drake London, where they're just in these places where their their talents are not accentuated. And Elijah Moore obviously has a little bit more baggage than that. But well, Elijah Moore might be on a new team in the near yeah. future as he didn't suit up. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, the other injury that it felt less serious, but we probably shouldn't discount it for being so. And it was probably was because he was on the cart smiling and being like, oh, I'll be good. But DK Metcalf suffered a knee injury and had to be carted off. And uh, the Twitter doctors, but the Twitter doctors out there, a few of them were mentioning ACL as well. Is there any worry, Jake, do you have any worry on DK Metcalf long term and the repercussions of if he's out uh, with a serious knee injury? Uh, as of today, it sounds like we shouldn't. And that, you know, the big thing is that he was smiling and we're going to talk about the fact that there was another wide receiver who said, yes, I have an ankle sprain. And we're like, oh, that doesn't sound good. And then this teammate was also calling it a high ankle sprain. Speaking of doctors, his own teammate calling him that Mike Williams, we're going to get to him, but, uh, DK Metcalf, I think fine. Maybe he misses a week or two. The bigger thing is that I think some in the the scape out there saw like those two, three good games for Geno Smith. And all of a sudden, oh, DK Metcalf's back locked into wide receiver one territory. And I, I don't think that's ever been the case. I think it's still wide receiver two. There's still going to be some hit or miss. And the biggest thing is I go back to is I like Geno Smith. I made the joke of like, imagine if the Giants just kept Geno Smith, like what they could be. But what it comes down to is Geno Smith kind of has a little bit of a Jared Cook to him where the matchup will be glorious and I'll still lay an egg. It just happened two weeks ago, two games ago. Like, and there'll be matchups where it's like, ooh, I don't know. We start Geno Smith in the passing game, and then he like goes off for 300 yards and two touchdowns. He's hard to predict because his skill set is good enough to do what he's doing and good enough to be a quality fantasy starter and a starter in the NFL and make value for Lockett and Metcalf, but it's not enough to be predictable when it comes to matchups. Like he sometimes shows up when he shouldn't and sometimes shows doesn't show up when he should. So Metcalf's still a wide receiver too, as long as everything's okay. And it sounds like everything's okay. Brennan, is there anybody you think that can step up as far as value if Metcalf misses any time? Is there a new step up or is it just a little <laughs> bit more good Walker? One. <laughs> yeah. Marquis Goodwin? Or is it just a little bit more Walker and Lockett? Uh, I think it is that. I mean, Marquis Goodwin did step up. I mean, it's not going to be D. Eskridge. Um, I wonder Maybe if... Maybe he should it, change it, his name again. Yeah. I wonder if it's like a Will Disley. I mean, he had a nice game. Uh, but the problem... I think the thing with Gino is like... Not only is he not predictable in terms of the matchup, he's also not predictable in who he's going to target. Like, he is pretty good at just spreading the ball around. He's leading the NFL in completion percentage. And I think it's because he's not he's not that predictable as to where he's going. I mean, he spreads the tight end position, you know, across three different tight ends. One week is DK, another week is Tyler, some weeks both. But, like, I mean, Marquise Goodwin, like, I, he's been a, done a pretty good job of just spreading it around, but... 
I, I don't know how a Marquise Goodwin Tyler Lockett wide receiver combo works. It's, it's going to be like that's like a poor man's version of, of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Just just two little guys that you're like, Ugh, I don't know. I mean, and I think for Metcalf owners, there are some other nice options on the waiver wire, which we'll talk about at the end of the show that they can go for. You shouldn't be obviously trying to look inside of Seattle's uh, wide receiver core to replace Metcalf if he's missing time. There's going to be some other guys out there uh, in replacement as Christian McCaffrey left town. The Panthers started Chuba Hubbard, which was a little bit of a surprise uh, around game time. We kind of thought it would all be Deontay Foreman. Foreman ended up getting kind of the bulk anyways, but both backs relevant and there's a lot of hey don't even think or start and I don't really blame anybody that said hey don't you know don't worry about those Panthers backs against the Bucks because this was um this was like the reverse it's like stranger things we were like in the upside down in this game because I didn't know what was going on where Chuba Hubbard nine for 63 and a score also caught two balls for 10 yards Foreman 15 carries for 118 yards also caught two for 27 Let's talk about the backs and the trustworthiness moving forward. Brandon, let's kick it off with you. Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, was this a, uh, uh, was this about the Bucks defense being mangled, or is this a real backfield that there's going to be some fantasy flex value out of between Foreman and Hubbard? And do you trust both? I mean, I think there's going to be fantasy flex value like there is in Atlanta with Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley. You're talking about two guys, and I think – Normally, we're going to see it like that, maybe a little bit better. But I was shocked at what they did. You know, I, I still am not ready to buy into this is what we're going to see from them each week. I think there's something to the Tampa being a little bit broken right now. I think there's some complacency. Um, I was laughing at people just assuming that this was a win for the Bucks. They, 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 you know, they just went to Pittsburgh and didn't didn't win that game. At least it was going to be, you know, a good chance for Carolina to cover like Tom Brady is looking old. He can't move. He rushes his passes when he feels any kind of pressure whatsoever. He's throwing torpedo balls. Chris Godwin's coming back from the ACL. He's not getting separation. You don't have your trusty Rob Gronkowski. Michael Salfino keeps writing every week that Mike Evans has lost a step. I don't know if he's lost a step or if he's dealing with like an ankle injury or something that he's playing through. Or they're just all complacent and there's a coaching change and they they just don't have that drive right now. Maybe it's something that they're getting off of Tom Brady, but something's wrong with, with the Bucs. Like, I, I don't think they're a good team right now. And I think Carolina had a lot of, oh, we just traded CMC. Everybody thinks we're in rebuild. Let's get some respect out of this. And I think they came to play. So uh, going forward, I think they're probably better. They're going to be, probably be better than I gave them credit for likely being. But like if it's Deontay Foreman or Tyler Algier, and I'm trying to decide between the two, it's a toss-up for me. Guess what? They play each other next week, so know, you can uh, have that fun too. Uh, Jake, same thing. Foreman, Chuba Hubbard. Is there one? Obviously, uh, Foreman was the more breakout play. And interesting too that I thought it was going to be Foreman between the tackles early and Chuba playing the receiving McCaffrey role. And the first half that was flipped. It was like Foreman getting the receptions and Chuba was going between the tackles. Do you have a pick out of these two, or do you think it's kind of a crap shoot of flex for RBs? No, I actually thought it was going to be the other way around. I thought it was going to be Foreman in the passing game and Hubbard is early in short yardage. Uh, Foreman getting a few more touches overall because of what I expected the Panthers to be. I definitely wasn't expecting the Panthers to be in contention for this division, thanks to the Buccaneers, as you mentioned, and the fact that they're winning games still. But I, I think that you're looking at, no, obviously, are they both RB1s? 
No way. Are they both RB2s? Still probably not. So I think we try to play the matchups. And if you look at the Falcons this week, you would say, hey, this is the run happiest game of all time. This might be done in an hour. And so (laughs) maybe they can stay. Maybe they can stay in contention. And in that case, you go Hubbard because you go for the touchdown equity potentially and the upside there. Uh, so I would say Hubbard is a RB2 low end still, and I would say Foreman is a RB3. If it's a passing game situation, do you expect it to flip? Still RB2, RB3. I think this is a one-week anomaly. We've seen this before from split backfields with lesser talent and things that happen like this. So I'm not putting too much weight into it. The one thing I will say is I actually think if Baker's back under center, it hurts both of them. I think it's going to be worse. Like, I think P.J. Walker is better for them in this offense. Do you think they could justify putting Baker in after P.J. Walker? P.J. Walker's out there looking like Geno Smith. I think it was like 16 to 22 or whatever it was. He was efficient. He got the ball. D.J. Moore. Un- NFL teams are going to be stupid. Ten targets for D.J. Moore. Isn't Sam Moore. Darnold ready to come back? Isn't this his oh, week? Oh, God. Sam who who would have thought we were like I think they have to. for the return of <laughs> Sam Darnold? I think they have to activate him this week. I thought I read that. So. I think they do have to activate him, but they don't need to play him. I don't I don't see how they could justify after coming off of a division win like that against the Bucks, starting either one of those guys over PJ Walker right now because he got the job done. Yeah. And I think I agree. I think it does hurt a little bit if they uh if they move off of either one of those running so backs. You pro- the point being, you probably have to start him. And that's you know, that's what it comes down to. Let's say uh next week you have to start Foreman or Melvin Gordon. What do you pick? Mm, no, Mel, no, no, Mike Boone. So Melvin Gordon. Okay, so well, there's still Latavius Murray, and there's and he's still Melvin Gordon. There's and there's Marlon Mack. <laughs> and they signed Marlon Mack, the infamous. Oh my god! Marlon I already Mack. tweeted about this. Shut the hell up, everybody. <laughs> Not you, Faustin. Just like, oh yeah. my god. Should I pick him up in waivers? Yes, yes. Pick up that Hall of Famer, the best running back in the history of forever. Pick up uh, Marlon Mack. All right, Christian McCaffrey, who left town. Made his 49er debut. Received 22 snaps to Wilson's 26. He was eight carries for 38 yards, two of 24. I'm obviously a 49ers fan. I watched this game. Uh, The first drive, the 49ers looked like the best team in the NFL, and then they did what they do is they completely fall apart later. McCaffrey looked great, though. Hitting holes, amazing that he could pick up the schemes this early. He's going to get a lot of great usage. They didn't use him at all in uh, in any of the goal line, or I believe the red zone was what I saw. And third down back in this game was Tyrion Davis-Price primarily, which was kind of odd as well. This will all go to McCaffrey, but I'm curious at the thoughts, Jake. Let's start with what you think about, I mean, you kind of alluded to it at the beginning where McCaffrey is now maybe pushing for that number one spot. A lot of people were trying to be anti, like, oh, hey, he's not going to get the primary work in Carolina. My argument has been 18 touches in San Francisco is better than 28 in Carolina, and they are going to use him, use him, use him. So thoughts on Christian McCaffrey as a 49er? Yeah, back, like I said, back in the conversation as the number one running back, he was already kind of pushing that. But now definitively, I think your conversation is Eckler, CMC, and Barkley, and that's about it. And only because Chubb can see down games like he did when they go pass at me. So Chris McCaffrey's not going to see any lost value. Honestly, it's a better situation. Uh, one of the better rushing offenses in the league is Shanahan's Magic, and he uh, one of the best running backs in the NFL. I'm not worried about the target percentage probably dropping just a bit because of Jimmy Garoppolo. I should still be fine. It's going to be about 18, 20 touches still every single week. Look at last year. We talk about Elijah Mitchell. It was 21 plus rushes every single week when Debo was doing Debo things. It was 20 and 21 and 27 and 24 and 27. Christian McCaffrey is going to be fine even if he only sees two targets. So that being said, the biggest thing I said 
after this trade was not Christian McCaffrey, was not Jimmy Garoppolo, this offense, or the fact that Jeff Wilson's now just the high-end backup, and then when Elijah Mitchell comes back, he's just the high-end backup. So if you need the roster crunch, you can cut him. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to because we've already seen the value of any running back that's the lead, but they're they're not going to be involved. This was a one thing for Jeff Wilson. The biggest one for me was Debo Samuel's done being a wide receiver one. Um, done. It was already more. two rushes, two rushes in the two games before this, and then it was just one. And if you see what Jimmy Garoppolo is doing, he's more comfortable with Ayuk. Not that I think Ayuk's definitively taken over from Debo in the passing game. I think you still see mix and match, kind of like a DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett situation. But when you have that mix and match, and now Kittle's back involved because Trent Williams is back, so he's not blocking as much. Debo's done. His, his wide receiver one days are done. Yep. I've been saying this for over a month. I felt this way. Uh, Garoppolo loves Ayuk. And if you watch that game too, he's just, he also just doesn't look great. I don't know what the pieces are about it, but he doesn't look like the same guy we saw last year. Um, it gets lazy in some plays and he doesn't get the targets and, and the touches, which maybe has some effect. It's an odd situation, but I 100% agree. He is no longer a wide receiver one. Brandon, Christian McCaffrey, uh, any thoughts on him in San Francisco? I mean, do you have any different feelings that maybe he's not one of the top, top backs and maybe his value gets a little hit by saying, I mean, San Francisco's offense also, by the way, their play calling Shanahan thinks he's smarter than everybody in the room and the field and on the planet. And sometimes that obviously hurts them that their offense gets into this inept state and they couldn't, you know, hold in the second half against Kansas city that could have an effect on them. But uh, Christian McCaffrey, yeah, I, I told, I'll just reiterate what I said last week was that I think San Francisco, with the luxury of six weeks in and seeing Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Matt Stafford, those teams struggle, and those teams being like the odds-on favorites in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl, and they're all 500 and worse now. Like San Francisco probably doesn't make this deal at the beginning of the year, but when they see the opening right here, they're like, yeah, we're going for it. We've mortgaged some of our future. So I don't see there's any way you hold Christian McCaffrey back. You use him, maximize him to the hilt, and go for the Super Bowl this year. That's exactly what they're doing. There's a lot of explaining to do if you go forward next year, you don't make the Super Bowl, and you didn't use McCaffrey in that way. Like, what was the point? So you don't want to get yourself into that position. One thing I'll bring up I thought was interesting, and I'm like, as I kind of mull it over, I'm like, yeah, maybe, why not? With Michael Salfino's like, Jimmy Garoppolo is a top 12 fantasy quarterback going forward easily. And so when you start thinking about, would you take Jimmy Garoppolo going forward over Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Derek Carr, uh, Matt Stafford, all these guys that we kind of threw in as the, like back-end quarterback ones? Like, yeah, I get it. I mean, it's Kittle, Debo, Ayuk with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, Trent Williams back. Like, what's better than that? Yeah, my, my mm, response when you said that. Yeah, I, I was going <laughs> to yeah, exactly. say, like, when you said know, he's I'm a like, must start, I was like, eh. But then you started saying like Rodgers and Brady. I'm just so out on them. I don't know. Maybe he does by default get there. Mm, no. Even no? I'm looking at it like uh, like the past three game stretch is still only 16 ish and change points per game. Well, guess what? Josh Allen's 28.8 just for a reference of number one. But Hurts, uh, Mahomes, Burrow, Lamar all over 20. Geno's at 18. Murray's almost at 18. Herbert's at 17 and change. Daniel freaking Jones is almost at 17. Two is at 17. Lawrence is over 16. So he's in the Lawrence conversation with the Lawrence Carr. You said Carr's name. He's in the Lawrence Carr cousins conversation, which are all in the 15, 16 range. But what are those quarterbacks? They are not starts every single week. Well, and and we said this before too. I think we're in a 26 quarterback stream right now. There's about six quarterbacks that are, you're starting every week. And there's about 26 that you're playing the matchup on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, seriously. Yeah, I was about to say. I mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're, I mean, make you, your you case. Definitely... Make case. 
I mean, maybe you I can mean, Gino's kind of a matchup play. I mean, well, no, I was just about to say, I think it's five. Who's the who's the six? Allen hurts Mahomes. Well, Burrowed, Lamar. probably throw Herbert in there, Kyler or nope, nope. Herbert. Nope. Told you this was coming. Nope. Yeah. So it's like maybe it's a twenty. You know, maybe it's a twenty-seven quarterback stream. There you go. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, let's move through some more running well, backs. pushing that, it, too. <laughs> anyway, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Hang on for that game. <laughs> uh, in the same game, uh, an interesting thing we saw was Isaiah Pacheco ended up getting the start over CEH. It didn't really matter at the end of the day. Um, he was 8 for 43 on the ground. CEH was 6 for 32, but had a score. What do we make of Pacheco as the starting running back in Kansas City? If maybe nothing else. Maybe <laughs> what was not. that? Wait, wait, wait. Make it a What? What was the report? What was he? Was he start the starting running back? <laughs> Well, it's starting running back. Hey, don't shoot the messenger. Just shoot the uh, the tag. The starter, running back, <laughs> the starter running back. Is there is there anything to take out of Pacheco moving forward for him to get the quote start, Jake? Without laughing in no. my face. No. You what you take out of this? It's a full blown ass committee, and you know who the leading running back was? Jarek McKinnon in touches. So no, enjoy the committee approach to this game. Yes, there is value. A hundred percent. Yes, there is value. Is there startability? No. Like, like you want to chase Clyde Edwards-Alaire continuing this touchdown run? Sure. I, I'm not going to say don't. It's it's ridiculous. They keep using him in such fashion. If you want the most consistent option, it's Jarek McKinnon. And then if you want to say the start and maybe in games they control, uh, Kansas City's on a bye. Who do they come out of their bye with? Do you know off the top of your head? I'll I don't know. I'll probably find the head. answer before you look. Home against yeah. Tennessee. I don't know. Maybe do you want to say they're in control 30 to 10 by the halftime and then it's a Pacheco game? Maybe, but this is what we do with committees. If you want to play that game, be my guest. I'm not going to play that game. Yeah, there, there's all these bad. So I saw someone on Twitter post something that made me laugh that was like, you know what's so great about Kareem Hunt? He's never good enough to start, but you can never cut him. And I feel like the same way about some of these type of guys like Pacheco. It's just like he's never going to be good enough to start, but you don't, you can't justify cutting him, especially when he's involved in that role. It makes it frustrating. Brandon, I, is there anything on Pacheco for you? 
I think if you take the glass half full approach and say, okay, here's a seventh round rookie who was buzzy in camp and here we are in week seven, he actually got a start against the San Francisco 49ers. One of the, one of the better teams. And you Can know what? They didn't start. <laughs> I mean, he technically got the start. I like if you get the first snap and never get on the field again. Okay, sure. Start. No, but he he carried the ball eight times for 43 yards against the 49ers. They give it the second fewest. That's over five yards carry against the the defense to give up the second fewest yards to running backs. They had given up 410 rushing yards to running backs going in. They were good. So, like, I think the point is that it took him seven weeks and he was actually named the starter. You know, whatever happened in the game, whatever. But the point is, who's more likely to be continuing the momentum going forward and have a role expand? And I just think, look, at if they got to week seven and said, we're going to give him the start, we trust him enough that in a big game he's going to do that, what, what kind of world is going to be opening up to him going forward? I just would – I mean, he's definitely the guy that I would hang on to. The, I mean, I'm not saying I would keep Clyde Edwards-Alaire with you – know, would cut him for Clyde Edwards-Alaire – I mean, or vice versa. Keep, uh, keep Pacheco over Alaire. But I don't know that, that there's that much of a value difference in my head going forward. You know how many snaps he had on third down? Two. You know how many right. snaps he had inside the 10-yard line the entire game? Zero! McKinnon had three. The goal, think- line, uh, well, the goal line stuff with CEH is actually what worried me. It wasn't actually so much McKinnon. They are frustrating. They are actually universally frustrating, Kansas City. The interesting thing, though, is that Pacheco, a lot of people were saying he got the start because they love his pass protection. He was known for it coming in, and they that he's turned heads with his ability to protect Mahomes. So, I don't know. It's interesting that he didn't get any, any pass. Yeah, yeah, 22% third down percentage compared to 67 for McKinnon. That is weird that he didn't get in for that pass protection. Uh, the first half of that game was very odd. It wasn't a very running game. But when the Chiefs got up to not get more Pacheco, that's why I kind of thought Pacheco could have ended the day with like 15 carries or something when Kansas City just started making a fool of the 49ers. It just didn't happen. Uh, it's an interesting discussion and something to watch. The Gus bus is here. Gus Edwards was activated and killed all the Kenyon Drake thoughts that could have existed he went 16 for 66 and two scores. Drake had 11 carries, though. But he averaged half a yard per carry because he had five <laughs> yards on 11 carries. That's a, I don't even know how you do that. I, I think you could have gave the ball to Jake and ask, he could have at least got Ask Clyde Edwards-Alaire at seven for zero. <laughs> no, oh, you you're going to keep going. Uh, Justice Hill, <laughs> five for 26. So there's a little bit of a committee factor in here, but Gus Edwards looked great coming back with J.K. Dobbins out is Gus a comfy RB2 moving forward, or do you think this situation is a little too icky to deal with? Brandon, let's start with you. No, I think, he's, I, think he's an R, I think he's an RB2. Look at I mean, Kenyon Drake looked great, went for over 100 yards, and then Gus Edwards comes back, his first game from an ACL injury, and they give him the goal line, they give him the lead. Yeah, this was a crusher for me because I spent $41 in Scott Fishbowl for Kenyon Drake because no one even remotely good ever pops up on waivers. So I was like, why might as well spend it on something? And, uh, you know, I guess I spent it on nothing because Kenyon Drake looks like the clear number two here. I guess Edwards is, is the lead. There will be a, comp- how, how comfy are, Jake, always, are you in Baltimore? Yeah. How comfy are you going to be with uh, Gus Edwards moving forward? Jake. Oh, I didn't hear you say Jake. Yeah. Sorry. I yeah. Were, sorry. I, I got messed you, up. I there. thought you were falling. Yeah. I thought he was rolling over there. So speaking of rolling, 
Uh, 100%. How about everybody who's like, oh, you're stupid. He's coming off an ACL. You're dumb. Why would he pick him up? Have you not seen Justice Hill the past few games? And, you know, I, look, I got to take my chances where I get because I'm still trying. Like, 80 people I got right still needs to make up for one Cam Akers. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Like, I, I got to keep building my good graces <laughs> back. Like, there's so much Cam Akers negativity, like everyone. But, yes, this is why I said Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards. If you looked at the waiver column last week, I had Gus Edwards at five, but I said if J.K. Dobbins is out, he is my number one. I am grabbing Gus Edwards everywhere. He fits this offense. Kenyon Drake is what we know Kenyon Drake is. There's a problem. He's just not any good. Justice Hill is just a pass catcher. He's not going to be the lead definitively fine as a top 20 running back. He's in the conversation where I think that you could actually ask yourself Miles Sanders, low ceiling consistency versus Gus Edwards touchdown equity every single week. This is the same offense that it only took 200 carries for Mark Ingram to finish as a top five running back because of the touchdown equity. And that's what you're looking for here. Yes, it can be volatile, but Gus Edwards, top 20 going forward. Done. We'll, we'll be talking about him here in just a tiny bit. Um, all right. I'm, I've got two things that I'm going to go for each one of you. And let's start, Jake. You get this one. Travis Etienne played a season high. I think it was 81 or 82% of the snaps. He went 14 for 114. 81.5. 81.5. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right in the middle. So right there. Uh, 14 carries, 114 yards with a score. James Robinson, 17% of the snaps. Uh, zero carries. He had one target. Is James Robinson done, Jake Seeley? Yes, but he's not droppable. That's the thing. Is this is Travis Etienne's backfield? Uh, James Robinson was in there in the red zone. He actually uh, did have some third down. His third down snap percentage was thirty percent, uh, barely ever on the field. Five percent long snap percentage. I know that, and I knew the eighty-one point five because I tweeted out these snaps earlier this morning. That's why. <laughs> and if you look at eighty percent long down percentage for Etienne, here's the thing. Inside the 10, 3 and 2. Inside the 5, 2 and 2. Inside the 3, 2 and 2. James Robinson was still on the field. It's that Trevor Lawrence sniped him again. It's Trevor Lawrence's new thing is, hey, I'm the goal line rusher, not you. <laughs> and, but the thing is, is ETN is also inside the top 20 going forward. James Robinson is a priority backup, though. He is among the Rashad Whites of the world. Uh, this is the K- K- Khalil Herbert. You cannot drop him because... Michael Carter, we sat on the show how many weeks saying don't drop Michael Carter for this very reason. You've got a potential top 15 running back if anything happens. If something happens next week to Travis Etienne, James James Robinson is right back inside the top 15. It's a great, great comp of the Jets situation to this situation. Michael Carter might have been a tiny bit more valuable, but James Robinson is not startable in any capacity, but he is in no way a cut. So, Brandon, my question to you moves over to our guy, Alec Pierce, who Alec Pierce, after another huge passing performance, only received four targets, three for 37. And the more disturbing piece of it was Paris Campbell with his 12 targets, 10 catches, 70 yards and a score. Should we be worried about Alec Pierce? Because we've been going really hard in it. He's obviously a piece of this offense, but Paris Campbell is a bigger piece than anyone was giving credit for. So should we be worried about Alec Pierce? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, Paris Campbell had 12 targets, but he also had 11 the week before. That's two weeks in a row of double-digit targets. We always say follow the volume. That cannot be ignored. It's easier to complete passes to Paris Campbell because he's he is the kind of guy you can move all over the field. Alex Pierce is a little bit more traditional in, in, in the kind of receiver that he is. But um, I think, yes, we have to be concerned. And Michael Salfino said it in his scouting notebook for week seven was like, 
Matt Ryan's not going to support three receivers. So I think what you're going to have is you're going to have Michael Pittman every week, and then you're probably going to vacillate back and forth between Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce weeks. And then, you know, that's a, that's a dart throw. And if you think you know how the, how the game plan is going to play out, you think you can have your thumb on that, that's great. But I, I think it's going to be one of those annoying things where right when you think it's Paris Campbell, it, it turns back to Alec Pierce. So yeah, and, and they Mike, obviously yeah they obviously can't keep having Matt Ryan throw as much as he did. Uh, Jonathan Taylor got uh, a pretty minimal bulk of runs, which they're going to have to rectify, and they will. But you just can't Matt that noodle arm Matt Ryan. You can't have that forty plus times a game, and that he is went, what he went right back to about. throwing it short so much. Like we just one week we're like, hey, he found out that he could throw downfield, and then it's like, nope, he went right back to being. I Matt think Ryan. running backs had twelve like, receptions between Taylor and uh, Hines. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor. More receptions than Naeem Hines in that game, which is like crazy bad. But like, hey, you know what we're looking at? Washington at home this week, which is a cake of cake matchups, which you know what this means, right? 170 yards and two interceptions. This is we're going to get the <laughs> terrible Matt Ryan, just like Jared Goff was supposed to be good at home and 100 well, percent indoors. Just for some funsies to give you guys. I just want to give you a couple other notes from the weekend. Uh, Wandale. Six catches, 40 yards, nine targets, which we love. He's been a big mainstay on this podcast we've talked about. Brian Robinson, 20 carries, 73 yards, 20 carries, a big number here. Kate Auden, four catches for 64 and a Brady. How about Greg Dolkich, though? Nine targets, six for 51. And the sad funsy stat, Keenan Allen was active, but only two for 11. Is there any of the, you don't have to, but is there any note? Uh, I heard some groaning in there. Is there anything we have no, to speak on on the funsy stats? Was- Okay. Uh, Wandell Robinson is 2022 poor version of a Ron St. Brown. Yes. Yes. I said it on the show this morning and I'll say it again on this one, just in case. I don't know how many listen to both shows, but yeah, Wandell Robinson. And it's because he's the poor version because he's not going to see 11, 12 targets every single week like a Ron St. Brown because Daniel Jones is not going to throw 40 times a game like Jared Goff did last year. So what it comes down to is where a Ron St. Brown was a wide receiver one. Wondell's a wide receiver three because that's just how this offense is. But the sheer volume of the team targets is Wondell Robinson. And yeah, he's going to be, it took halfway through the season, but he is their number one, 100% going forward. The biggest concern is this is like every single week he's getting banged up. That's also because he's like five feet tall and 10 pounds. So, you know, that's the concern. Were there any funsies you needed here? Brandon? Yeah, my take was watching the Washington Green Bay game. I think Antonio Gibson looks better than Brian Robinson. I'm sorry. I just do. I'll keep saying it. Like, I looked better last week. I, I, I don't understand why Brian Robinson doubles the amount of carries that Antonio Gibson does. But, you know, I mean, they got some trust we issues. We sat there all season and said it. Sorry. I'm yeah, just, I agree no, with you. Like, we sat there and, like, everybody was sitting here, and then Brian Robinson got all the love. But it's like, uh, you still see how good Antonio Gibson looks. Yeah, and he looks a little bit mad. I could detect a little mm. anger in, in the way he was playing, but uh, maybe, you know, I would hang on. To Wouldn't him. you be? He yeah. did nothing to deserve being benched while the time that Brian Robinson missed. He didn't fumble a single time Yeah, and then lost the job as soon as Brian Robinson came back. You'd love to see a team just step up and, you know, that has some need in the backfield and just pick him up and get him off that team with like Tony a week Gibson? to go before. Yeah, why not? Before the trade deadline. Put him on the Jets. Great. <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. Put him really anywhere. Uh, waiver wire. Waiver wire time. It's a preview look at uh, week eight waiver wires. Brandon, let's start with you. Your top three on the waiver wire. Uh, well, I went Gus Edwards. Obviously, he's right at 50%. Uh, just looking at 50% under... Uh, Deontay Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, so and Tyler Algier. I mean, they're they're all kind of right there in that mm. same ownership range. I would say 
Garrett Wilson, Zay Jones, Paris Campbell, Wandale Robinson were the receivers. And is that your order? I think so. No, no, actually, I'd put Wandale second. I'd go Garrett Wilson, Wandale, Zay Jones, Paris Campbell. And honestly, I would I would speculate if I had a roster spot to play with, get Elijah Moore and just wait. Wait on that one because that, that could that could work out really well. Before we go to Jake, um, from the amount spent, you are unloading the bag if Gus Edwards is available, correct? Yeah, I mean, I okay. spent forty-one on Kenyon Drake. He's a backup. I mean, it's like I would I would spend the rest on, on Gus Edwards if I could. Okay, just want to make sure because I don't think anyone else there is an unload. I think you might want to be if you have some wide receiver issues. I actually think Paris Campbell and Wandale are like my kind of two targets out there that I would I wouldn't be hyper aggressive. I don't think they cost a whole bunch, but I would be looking at Jake. What say you on your top three on the waiver wire look for week eight? It's clearly Gus Edwards if you let that slide through and he's still sitting out there. So 100%, there's no question about that. And that is unload the the bag, your primary top waiver spot if you have it, whatever might like. And please play in fab and don't play with that waiver spot thing. <laughs> but uh, I, number two, the Hubbard-Foreman situation, sure. I'm not that super excited about Algier. I actually dropped him in flex well, super Cork flex. Well, coming back soon. Yeah. Exactly. That's why. And well, so is Damien Williams. And I don't yeah. know that this isn't a cl- complete cluster in another backfield committee that I want to deal with. But uh, the only one I disagree with is I would have Wondell definitively number one. That's over Garrett Wilson, even if Corey Davis is out. Because you said it, Funston. You said it at the top of the show. We have a Zach Wilson problem. That's the problem here. It's like, I love Garrett Wilson. Remember the excitement at the beginning of the year? Give me Joe Flacco back. And Garrett Wilson is a top 20 wide receiver. Give me Joe Flacco back and Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson might be something if Corey Davis is out. Uh, but unless well, there is that, no Corey Davis. That's the interesting thing, though. Are they going to let? Are they going to go down with the Zach Wilson ship or... Are they going to see that there's playoff potential here and Joe Flacco gives them the best chance to go farther? You know, and some teams don't make smart decisions, as we've seen, just, I mean, let alone in week seven. But, uh, you know, I looked at it again. Wondell Robinson, 28% of the team target percentage in week seven. It just keeps funneling to him. And I think you've got the floor of what it was this week, which was six, six or 50, and he left the game. And then you have the ceiling that he scores a touchdown. They keep designing plays for him, ways for him to get open. So I would go Wondell, then Garrett Wilson, because it's still the Corey Davis situation. If Corey Davis is out, that does at least eliminate one from the possibilities. But the problem is it's still a Zach Wilson problem to steal your line. Keep going with that. It's actually a sneaky, fun uh, waiver week. There's a lot of different options out there, uh, even with running backs, with all the disaster that's happening there. A lot of wide receivers. Probably your last week if Wandell's out there to even scoop him up. So I think he's going to be one of the top guys. But what you can do is make sure you get DK Metcalf news before cut you off before we go. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. Did we get it? it, it, It's speculated that's a patellar tendon issue, and he's going to rehab and recover. Pete Carroll said he's not going to let him practice on Wednesday, even though he wants to. So maybe he misses a game, right? Or two. Yeah. Like, I mean, if this is Keenan Allen, he'd miss nine. But yeah, okay. So we're just making. It so we got. We have <laughs> wow. to know how to decide. Taking, taking shots at Keenan Allen out here. I love. I I want to love Keenan Allen, but it's hard mm-hmm. to love a guy when he just can't play. He can't play at what, all. When is the Se- When is the Seahawks by? Three weeks out. <sighs> you might not play for a month. We might not play for a month if that's what miss, we're dealing miss two with. Two games, get the extra bye week, and you're back. Yeah. Oh, you also got the. They have the uh, Germany game, don't they? Oh, the London. Uh, there's a. There's Germany. Germany. Lon- Germany. London's yeah. next. London's this week. And yeah. then it's Germany. No. Yeah. So you've got two that. games and then the Germany. You might you know, we might be out three weeks of Mecca. Yeah, oh, we're going to be out with we have Denver. For sure. We have Denver in, in London this week. All the more reason to sleep in. 
Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but what I want to tell you guys is make sure you guys are subscribed over at The Athletic because this week you're going to get the drop on the Jake Seeley waiver wire article with everything you need to know. If you had been paying attention last week, Gus Edwards might not be available in your league and a whole lot more. So make sure you are subscribed there. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at the all in kid follow Brandon at Brandon funds. And you can follow me at, is it the Welsh? We will be back again on Thursday talking about all of our ranks in week eight and hopefully not drying each other's tears from a Brees Hall, massive, massive injury. The news we did not get today, but friends, thank you guys for hanging out with us. It is the athletic fantasy football podcast. We'll talk to you next time.